Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I have a very special episode today. My guest is actually my daughter, Stephanie. She's 29 years old. I cannot believe it. She's 29 years old. She's living in London, England as a teacher. Stephanie and I have amazing conversations all the time. Like we talk about all the things, which I absolutely love. And one of the things that I talk about all the time on this podcast, and any one of you listening has probably heard me say, that when we as midlife women step into our power, when we honor ourselves, when we you know, live in the most authentic way for us, we are actually changing the paradigm of what it means to be a midlife woman. And that means that the generations coming behind us are going to have a much different perspective of this time of life, like much different than we did. So our mothers and grandmothers, you know, sign of the times or whatever, did model for us how to honor our truth, to chase our dreams, and to live as our most authentic selves. So when we in this generation have the opportunity to do that, we are actually changing for generations and generations to come. So Stephanie, having had a front row seat to my midlife reinvention, (laughs) I wanted to have a chat with her on her perspective on this time of life after you know, watching me, she knows where I, where I came from. She knows what the process kind of looked like. She saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I thought it would be super interesting to have this conversation with her and see what she took away from it as the next generation. So welcome, Steph. Thank you. So excited to be here. Sad to not be with you in person, but I'll I do know. it. God. I know. I wish you were here too. So where do I start with this? I'm like, I've got so many questions and I'm kind of getting a little bit over flowing with emotion here. But so tell me a little bit of what it was like for you to watch me go through this reinvention journey. Wow. I mean, that's also a very broad question. So I'm like, where do I start? (laughs) Um, It was definitely a long journey for you. And actually, it's been a long journey for me, too. I think so much of your change has changed who I am. And Yeah, the person and the mom that I knew growing up is not the same woman that you are now. And that's been wild and triggering and amazing and healing and all the many different things that that can be. But mostly I'm just so grateful for it. I think our relationship has changed and grown so much. And I'm so grateful to know you and to do life with you and to be able to learn alongside you. So yeah, you know, I've really kind of as I've learned I mean, as all mothers do, like we just want the best for our kids. And as I've learned new ways of being, you know, I've shared that with you in hopes that maybe you don't have to learn the lessons the hard way like I did. So how would you say, so you mentioned that, you know, you've seen me change. What do you think are some of the biggest changes or impacts that you saw? I think you've softened a lot. I think that's a, a good way to put it is, yeah, I think you've softened a lot over the years. You know, in our in our house growing up, there was such a I don't know, a sort of a culture of machoism of always like, oh, I need to be hard, keep going, push through, fight harder, do more. Like that was just constantly happening. And it was in everything that we did. And 
I think in the last 10 or so years, like you've just softened so much. You found so much more flow. You slow down, you like find joy and pleasure in the small things and actually take time for them and prioritize that. And I think I've also just seen you settle into yourself so much more. <laughs> actually, Aaliyah mentioned this a little while ago about how in photos you used to look very like awkward and stiff and <laughs> even in photos you've softened so much like you can just see yourself so much more relaxed so much more comfortable and I think that that speaks to yeah your growth as a whole of just how much more you've grown into yourself and you are comfortable being vulnerable and honest and real and raw and human and yeah it's been really beautiful interesting so for context those of you who are listening who haven't heard my story just to fill in some of the blanks for you. So at the age of 50, I found myself divorced, unemployed, an empty nester, because Steph moved away three hours away to go to school, and bedridden with a stress-related illness. And I, at that point, I honestly believed that my life was over. Like, this was it. This was the beginning of the end. I was 50, because who starts over at 50? Because all the way through my life, I had been very ambitious. I had checked all the boxes and done all the things that I thought I was supposed to do, you know, go to school, get a good job, and just the same things that I kind of tried to instill in my daughter because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. So I checked all the boxes, did all the things, and along the way, I kept questioning myself. I was like, is this it? Is this my life? And so having to reinvent myself at the age of 50, I knew at that point that if I wanted my life to be different, I had to show up differently in it. And I recognized that along the way and all the things that I had done and all the accomplishments have been very successful in my career and everything, I had never, ever, ever stopped to check in with myself to see if I was happy, to see if that's what I wanted to do. I just, you know, this is the path that you're supposed to be on. And I just checked the boxes and kept going, right? And I became very, very disconnected from myself. In fact, one of the biggest realizations for me at the beginning of my reinvention journey was that I didn't know who I was. So if I wasn't a wife, if I wasn't a mother, if I wasn't a corporate executive, who was I? And I had no idea what I also, also what I wanted from my life. So if, you know, if this is the next chapter that I have in front of me and I have 30 years, who am I? What do I want? And it took me a long time to come to the answers to that question, which is kind of what Stephanie was alluding to, is that I really had to soften into myself, like to figure out who I was. And the beautiful part about it was I actually found a pretty cool chick that I like. <laughs> so that just we're happy to have you in this world. <laughs> yeah, just to provide some context for what Stephanie was saying about softening into myself, because that's literally what happened. Because before I was in the process of doing for the world as opposed to being in the world. Right? Yeah. So, you know, as you've seen me kind of soften into myself, how has that impacted your life? I think initially it really pissed me off. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Why? Well, like I said, you know, you grew up, I grew up in this house where it was always about do more, be better, accomplish this, do that. And you just said it yourself, the things that you instilled in me. And then suddenly you changed that dance and you stepped into a different way of being and started talking about trusting the universe. And I was so far from that. I was so stuck in my own things that I think my initial reaction was frustration. I think I was really angry that I didn't feel understood by you anymore, that you had shifted the way that you did things and it was no longer aligned with how I did things. And that was really unsettling for a minute until I actually started trusting the universe a little bit. And then I was like, damn, this is a way better way of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> to be in the flow, to surrender and to trust. 
Yeah. And to just like, I don't know, have some belief, like play the what if game of like, what if this does work out, you know, rather than like the the doom and the gloom and the I mean, for so much of that also, I was struggling with like anxiety and depression. And I think that too was because I was living in ways that weren't aligned with me and who I am. And yeah, I think in the beginning, there was a lot of friction there. And then I think as soon as I started to just, you know, and (laughs) you can probably all relate to this, to be honest, your mother says things and they eventually sink in and they come out of the back of your brain and you're like oh man that came from my mother yeah that happened where the things you used to say to me about yeah trusting the universe and just surrendering to whatever comes up and and all of that just kind of finally sunk in and honestly i i've really grown and changed a lot in the last like 10 years as well yeah and and it's catalyzed by your change yeah and trusting yourself right yeah I mean, for that's a forever work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one of the things I was going to say too, is that one of the huge benefits of my own reinvention journey and journey and kind of really sinking into myself has been how our relationship changed. Mm-hmm. Right. So because I was coming from this place of uh, before of like doing, so you needed to do in order to you know, be accepted by the world, you needed to achieve to be, you know, respected. I did instill that in you. And that was kind of the, you know, I want you to get good marks in school. I want you to get a good job. I want you to have a career, right? And nowhere again, like in that time, like I never asked said to you, hey, what would make you happy, right? Because that wasn't even part of my own vernacular at that point, right? And when I realized that there is a different way to do things where we can follow our passions, where we can follow our dreams and still be successful, in fact, be more successful, right? I really let go of all of the expectations that I had put on you and trusted that your journey was your journey, right? Yeah. 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 And that too, I mean, I think that that also catalyzed a huge thing for me is that you fully trusted me and trusted my journey and trusted that I was going to be okay when I didn't see that for myself at all. And like, I don't know, I think if I'm in panic mode and then somebody else also gets on board my panic, it just spirals. But you were like, no, you're okay. I trust you. You might feel panicky, but I know that you're going to be okay. And I think I think that even was a huge thing for me that you just, yeah, I don't know, surrendered, let go of my journey, stopped trying to control my world for me. And we're just like, you're built for your world. You were created to do this. Like, you're okay. Yeah, right. That's the thing is like learning to trust like learning to trust our journey and learning to trust ourselves to be able to navigate whatever journey is put in front of us. Because again, anybody listening has heard me say that we have everything that we need inside us for whatever it is that we want to accomplish in our lives. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you've watched me step out of my comfort zone many, many, many times over in the last (laughs) how many years, whatever, six, seven years. What was your, what have been your kind of takeaways from that? Or have there been any? Hmm. I mean, one is that you can reinvent yourself as many times over as you would like to. And I feel like I've been doing that in my 20s. You know, I'm obviously not at midlife yet, but yeah, you get to stop and start over and reconsider and reinvent as many times as you need to until it feels right. And then it will feel right for a while. And then something else might feel right instead. I think, you know, I hadn't really thought much about midlife before you started all of this. But actually, I think, I don't know, this is like a huge takeaway for me, but this is just occurring to me now that I'm actually really excited for that phase of my life because you make it look so dope. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and all the women that you interview for your podcast and every story I hear, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And you see, that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, that was one of the reasons, as you know, like why I started this podcast, right? Is because there are so many incredible women out there, but that's not what's modeled to us from like in our culture, right? In mainstream media and anything, right? Like we don't see that part. And so, you know, having, you know, not only is it sharing these stories, not only is it changing the narrative for women who are in midlife or in their 50s, 60s, 70s or whatever, but it's also changing the narrative for the generations coming behind us. I mean, you and I have had many, many conversations about the expectations of women, right? Throughout your entire life, right? And the focus being on how we look, you know, are our bodies pleasing to the outside world? Have we done enough for the outside world? You know, are we too loud? Are we outspoken? Like all of those types of things. And like, as women, we're carrying that burden from our 20s, but it becomes even more of a heavy burden than when you layer the age component on top of that, where you're no longer as valuable and you're no longer as relevant. Yeah. Right. And so my hope is that you and all of the women in your generation, like by the time you get to this part, right, like the the expectations around age or the cultural narrative around age and the value of women at that age <laughs> will have shifted. Right. So even though we're no longer active momming, you know, we're no, no longer able to have kids, right? Like to, that we can still see ourselves as valuable. And that I think comes from an underlying sense of value in ourselves before we even get to that point. Yeah, totally. Right? Also, this reminds me that a few days ago, I was telling a guy friend of mine about what it is that you do and a lot of the things that you talk about with the shift in midlife. And I, I just had thrown out the reasons why so many women reach that point in their lives and suddenly realize that it isn't working for them or that they want to do something different. And he sat there for a good minute going, huh. And then like five minutes later, he came back and said, you know, I've never thought about that before. Like it really sunk in for him. So. <laughs> oh, wow. That's an honor. <laughs> yeah, he's he majors me. And I, I was like, wow, I think that this is slowly shifting. It is shifting the narrative, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's so much of a midlife crisis as just a, well, you know what? Some things have been in crisis mode for a long time and now I need to fix it. Yeah. I mean, in some respects, it is a crisis because for some of us, and I'm, and I, you know, again, by doing this work, I really hope that it doesn't need to be crisis for all of us. But for so many of the women in my generation, because we didn't have anything else modeled for us, we had to get to crisis mode to know that what we were doing is no longer sustainable. And so my hope, like my sincere hope is that like, again, the women coming behind us, you, for example, that you come into this phase of life knowing that it's possible to change if something no longer fits rather than having to be hit over the head with a two by four or run into a brick wall, right? Like so many of the women in my generation did in order to learn the hard lesson in order to get around it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So have you given any thought to, I mean, you're still figuring out your next chapter now in your 20s, right? But like, have you ever thought about, hmm, when I'm, you know, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when I'm 70, what I'd like to be doing in my life? Uh, yes and no. I actually was thinking about this yesterday because I knew the podcast was coming up. And, you know, I've said this to you before, but I always did think about my life. Like I imagined myself, I guess I thought about like my teen years. And then I thought about myself as a mother, like so basically maiden mother. And then crone is the other one. I picture myself as this badass old lady that's still dancing up a storm everywhere. But I never had a vision for midlife. Mm. And two things came to mind. One is that only so many generations ago, midlife was old life. People didn't live past that age. Yeah. And so it's, it's a new space of time in life that never existed before. True. But I think why we don't have the 
what did you call it maven the maven, maven phase yeah. yeah i think that's probably why it's not sort of in public knowledge but i don't know also i was thinking about for my generation i actually think midlife will look different for a lot of women than it would for your generation or women just before you because a lot of women are either having babies way later so they will have lived a lot of their life before they started families or they don't have kids at all mm-hmm. and so i think midlife won't necessarily be the same experience for me and for my peers as it will have been for you and a lot of people your age that are you know where you all got married and started families a lot younger and pretty much everybody did that yeah because that was again kind of what was expected of us and if you didn't do that it's like what's wrong with you (laughs) yeah and i don't think that that exists in my generation like we just i know so many people that are not interested in ever having kids and i think a a big part of the midlife thing is that you have dedicated so much, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, it's that you have dedicated so much of your life to your family, to your kids, to, you know, all that goes into raising them. So I don't know what that looks like for me yet. I thought, though, it might be different than what you're experiencing. Interesting. I think you're probably right, because I do think that my generation are on the leading edge of the shift in what it means to be a midlife woman right? Like we are not our mothers or our grandmothers. Yeah. We've never had that modeled. You know, now that I'm in this work and I know all of these incredible women doing amazing things, I'm like, wow, we really are stepping in and empowering the next generation in different ways. Because even though women might be not choosing to have kids or to having kids later, I think there's still a really heavy cultural expectation around a woman's value being in her body like Mm. what her body can do, like, can she have babies the way her body looks? Yeah. Right. And when all of that shifts, like when your body doesn't look like your body used to, you now have gray hairs, wrinkles, and maybe a few extra pounds, and you're no longer able to reproduce, like, where does your value lie? Mm. Yeah. So I think, yes, it will be different, but there's still an underlying part that unless the cultural narrative shifts in a big way, will be still coming forward. And I think, that's the piece that we as women and especially women in your generation that can see our value beyond our bodies, our looks and our ability to reproduce. Yeah. Right. And it's still a very pervasive narrative. Yeah. And I can see that taking longer to shift out of the cultural norm than, you know, having kids. (laughs) Yeah. So what's your perspective on when you, like, you know, the work that I do, Yeah. you know, you've seen, you know, some of the impact that I've had in doing this, like, what's your perspective on on what that might look like for you and your generation? Do you think that you coming up will be more empowered to be able to reinvent yourself at that time of your life? I really hope so. And I do think that that's likely because even like I said, you know, so many people my age, I've mentioned what it is that you do, what your you know podcast and message is all about. And so many people around my age are like, that's so cool. Can I follow her on Instagram? Can I go check out her podcast? They're really excited to listen to this episode when it comes out. Yeah, I think people are fascinated with that idea, which is funny because sometimes I think they latch onto it more immediately than I did and hear my mom, but that might be why they latch onto it more immediately. (laughs) (laughs) True. Um, Yeah, I just, I mean, I was talking to my friend yesterday who's 33 and she was like oh my gosh i'm in midlife already she's not but um, (laughs) but uh no she really thought that was so so cool and so i i do think that i mean a big part of what you do is encouraging women to like find a place or find a space in which they feel more empowered 
I don't believe that you can empower somebody else, but they can feel more empowered. And I really think that message like resonates for so many people, you know, that even women in my generation, I think are just, yeah, I think by the time we reach midlife and that we've heard by then so many stories from you and from other women, because now I've seen it coming up everywhere, women, older women talking about the same thing. I think, I think it really will start to shift our mindsets as well and make us feel more powerful and reclaim our lives in the ways that we live them. And, you know, I hope that we get rid of the standards against aging. Yeah. It's so dumb. One of my friends recently was talking about how she is really scared to age. She's like really worried about that. And then she constantly reminds herself that your options are either age or you're not actually alive to be able to age. So (laughs) true. Aging it is then. And to be honest, I'm excited for it. I'll be happy to have wrinkles. Yeah, but my eyes because I've laughed so much like what a good way to show that you've lived life. Yeah, but I under like I understand her concern because again, it's like the narrative, like the cultural acceptance of aging. Like we value youth more than anything. And so if you have a need to be accepted, right, it's hard to grasp the fact that I'm gonna be in this group of people that's no longer, you know, considered valuable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? It's we, we do I think we do value youth far too much. And I think that we could probably learn from, for example, some indigenous groups who like really, really honor their elders because the elders are the ones that have been along the alive the longest they have the most knowledge they have the most experiences to speak of you know i think there's really something to be learned from that yeah in fact i was talking to somebody the other day about this concept that in many indigenous tribes around the world right like where women are only able to join join the tribal elders or the tribal council after they've passed menopause <laughs> and it's about honoring their wisdom at that time right? Like, whereas we in the modern culture, especially in North American culture, right? Like, we're pushing people aside, and all of that knowledge and wisdom is being lost, as opposed to, you know, turning it back into, you know, learning and growing for the next generation. Yeah, no, totally. I love that so much. I think that there should be postmenopausal women like running the world. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know, right? They are Okay, even from a scientific, because some people would want to debate things like this, but from a scientific perspective, they are the most hormonally, like, calm, <laughs> neutral, stable people in the world. Men should not be running things. Sorry, that's going to be an unpopular <laughs> opinion, but as an aside, how many women have started wars? True, true. But what you just said is interesting about your friend, because I'm actually speaking at an event in a couple of weeks. And it's a women's uh, wellness event. And the audience is not just midlife women, it's all women. And I was going over my talk, I was writing my talk the other day. And I was like, oh, you know, like, there's this group, like, they're not just all, you know, 50, 60 year old women, there's like women in their 20s and 30s in this. And I was like, okay, how do I tweak this message to make it relevant for everybody? And then I stepped back for a little bit. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, this message is actually like, I focus it on midlife women because I'm a midlife woman. I've lived that journey and I understand it. But the message of living your authentic truth and stepping into your power and honoring your dreams and desires is a message that all women should have because it's not a message that that has ever been really communicated to women over the generations. And in fact, I was listening to somebody talking the other day and they were talking about this woman who was a teacher who became an alcoholic because she hated teaching so much that she would go home and drink like a big bottle of vodka every night to make it tolerable. (laughs) I know, and you're a teacher. But the reason why she did that, like she, you know, in the 20s and 30s, teacher was the only acceptable job for women. 
right? And so she was forced into this box that she absolutely hated. And the way she coped <laughs> of dealing with a bunch of 10-year-olds all day was to drink a bottle of vodka every night. Her poor you know? liver. I know. How, but how sad is that to feel that disempowered? Totally. Yeah, that's, that's heartbreaking. And I do think that you're right that, yeah, you do speak a lot about midlife, but, you know, and this is basically the point of our whole conversation today is that your message applies to everybody and the transformation that you've been through has influenced me in my 20s and you know that i i feel like i've learned and i've grown so much from watching you live your life and then just wanting to emulate certain things that you do like your trust in yourself your commitment to always coming back to whatever actually works for you and what feels right and honoring yourself and you know like i think no, that's actually my biggest takeaway. It's just, yeah, no, like, like just trusting myself and always recommitting to like coming back to myself and everything that I do. And I've watched you do that for the last 10 years and it's been life-changing for me. Mm, I love that. Thank you for saying that. It's Let's, talk it forever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about menopause for a second. Ooh. So my experience of menopause, like I had no idea what to expect. Like literally it was never talked about. Nobody ever mentioned it. Right. And when my body started changing, I started to, I actually viewed it as a bit of a betrayal. Like I, all of a sudden things were happening in my body that I could no longer control. And it felt like my body was betraying me. Right. Like I wasn't sleeping, hormonal swings, you know, all of the things <laughs> that, that go along with menopause. And I have very, I think I have, and you can tell me if I have, I've shared my menopausal journey with you, what it's been like, like, what's your perspective on menopause do you feel like you understand it or you know what to expect i do know a lot of what to expect i do also know myself and i expect also that at that point in time it's going to take me a minute to realize i'm going through menopause it's going to be weird things happening to me and i'm going to be like i have no idea what this is but every time people talk about menopause since obviously i've never experienced it myself all i think about is going through puberty and being like what the fuck is any of this? <laughs> like honestly this wasn't happening yesterday and just, I don't know, I'm sure there probably isn't the same awkwardness to it. Because I remember, you know, being like 12 years old and like everything just is awkward and uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm sure it's probably not the same degree as, you know, in, in midlife. But uh, yeah, I think I think I do know a lot about menopause and I know some of the ways that it can really mess with you. I also, again, never having been through it, think it's sort of a blessing because it's it's actually, I suppose I think about it similarly to the way that I think about like, my own period and having PMS. And it was once said to me, and I really latched on to this, that right before your period, it's just going to like highlight whatever's going on for you because you've got all these hormones coming up and going on. And so if I'm having a meltdown in the week before my period, I'm like, okay, something's up, something's going on, something needs to be addressed that maybe I can ignore all month long, but it's, it's real present for me right now. And so I, I think that menopause does that for women too, that, you know, with all yes. the changes going on, it brings everything to the surface. And if there's anything you were trying to ignore, it's yes. now smacking in the face. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that, like, and for bringing that up, because I think that is really, really true. And I think you articulated it beautifully. It's like, you know, when you have all of your resources intact, it's really easy to be able to stuff some stuff down right? But then all of a sudden you hit the hormonal bumpiness and it's like all of a sudden I don't have all the resources that I needed to hold everything down. And now anything that's not aligned is going to come to the surface. Mm -hmm. And menopause, I think for many women, and it's not true for all women, but it was definitely true for me. <laughs> 
you know, in that hormonal state, in the, that hormonal shift, like you just don't have the same ability to ignore stuff that's bothering you. And so it comes up, and this is where I talk about, and people listening have probably heard me say this before, where I talk about menopause is actually the gift and that some gifts come in the ugliest of wrappers. <laughs> because this really is about pointing you to what is what is misaligned with your truth, right? And so if you view your period that way, you're less likely to have all of the amount of baggage that when you get to menopause, that it's going to be like a major, mm. you know, like two by four to the head, <laughs> which is kind of like what I, what it was for me. It was like, whoa, what's happening here, right? Because I had every symptom in the book, like you name it, I had it. Yeah. And so I think if you're if you're seeing that your period is the opportunity to deal with these things as you're moving forward, you're less likely to have that big old suitcase traveling with you by the time you get to menopause. Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, unpacking for a while. Going to continue to unpack. <laughs> so, fast forwarding to the menopausal phase in your life, like what are you most looking forward to? What are you least looking forward to? Ooh. I mean, hot flashes don't sound fun. <laughs> no, they're not. Complain about the most often. If I get boobs like you did, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're so cute. Oh, what am I most excited for? Do you know what? Like, not just menopause, but midlife in general. I don't know. I think like just you and all of the work that you do. You talk so much about. What an amazing phase of life that is because you've learned so much about yourself already. You're so much more clear at that point on who you are. And you have like, you know, you've worked a solid job for a long time. You have more resources at your disposal. Like, I think you just have so much power and freedom and self-knowledge and wisdom and experience under your belt. Like, I just think it, like, it sounds like such a powerful and amazing phase of life, you know? It is. I think, I think Yeah. Whatever I'm doing at that age, I have no ability to predict, but I think it's going to be dope. And what are you least looking forward to? Like I said, hot flashes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. You said that. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I mean, there are a bunch of people that get divorced at that age, and I hope I don't ever get divorced. But also, if I do, I'll survive it. So Hopefully, you feel more empowered to make better choices. I mean, okay, there's no guarantees of people get divorced for all kinds of reasons. And a lot of times, it's because people are on different growth paths, and that's okay, too. Yeah. Right. But hopefully, like, you know, in learning the lessons that you're learning now, which I wish I had learned a lot of the lessons that you're learning now at your age, but I also, it happened the way that it happened. <laughs> and, you know, it is what it is. But hopefully, you know, you'll make much more, like, you'll trust yourself a lot more, right? You're, you'll have a better intuitive sense of what's right and wrong for you. Yeah. Like, I realized that I had been disconnected my entire life, like, disconnected from myself for my entire life. So, how could I have chosen a person? Right. Although, okay, let me step back from that for a second because, you know, your dad and I are really good friends, right? And we've learned a lot from each other, like through marriage and even through divorce. So who's to say that wasn't ex what it was exactly what it was supposed to be? You did choose the right person to have the exact experience that you had. And to have you. <laughs> I'm happy I exist too. So thanks. Yeah. So here's a question that's going to be a little bit different than what we talked about. So, you know, People have heard me talk about a divorce. My ex-husband and I, Stephanie's dad and I, are also very, very good friends. We've navigated a lot of stuff through divorce together that we probably should have navigated in marriage, but whatever, <laughs> didn't happen that way. What's it been like for you 
to have that experience of like not the traditional divorce where people hate each other and don't talk to each other. Like we still do a lot of family stuff together. Yeah. Has that been like for you? I don't know. Now you're just reminding me of when you guys first split up. And I remember initially being so angry. Like, I don't know, feeling like my family unit was falling apart and that I was going to get lost somewhere in between it. That I actually kind of wished that none of us got along. I wish that I had more reason to be like that I could justify my anger towards you because you're both so sweet and understanding about it. But no, honestly, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really think about it much anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's probably the beauty of it. Like sometimes when I mention to people that, you know, we all still do things as a family or that dad is taking your dad, my grandpa out for a drink, like they're all really, a lot of people are really surprised about that. And they're, they're confused and they're like, are you sure you mean your mom's dad? And that was your dad taking him out? You know, like they just, people want to question it because they're not used to seeing it, which I kind of think is why I don't think much about the fact that you guys are divorced. I'm like, just is what it is. You know, I've got my mom, I've got my dad whether they're together or not, <laughs> yeah. we all do things. There's no stress, drama, worry. There's nothing to really think about. Yeah. The least convenient part of it is having to like split my holidays. <laughs> but even then we do holidays together. <laughs> oh, but I mean like coming home and being like, sorry, oh, yeah. on vacations. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, British like, term. I was like, do I stay with my mom or my dad for this trip? You know, like logistics is honestly the worst of it. And there's yeah. barely any of that. So I just, I think I just feel really grateful. I, I know that on both sides, I have amazing family and extended family on both sides of my family. And it just makes me so happy that we all still do things together, that I don't have to choose one or the other, that I don't, like you just said, I don't split my holidays. You know, if we have Christmas, we do it with both sides of the family. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really grateful. Yeah. I'm really grateful. Yeah, I'm going to have him on the podcast soon to talk about that because I, the more I, you know, we did things the way we did things, but like I see it now as being a very, very different viewpoint <laughs> than yeah. most of the world, right? So, yeah, so many divorces are so messy and so many of the yeah. kids go through hell in that. And yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah. And I think because, you know, luckily both of us saw it as an opportunity to, change some things to correct some things or to like show up differently in our lives right yeah. and we both did the work so it was easy for us to be able to you know come back to it from a different place yeah yeah so do you have any questions for me the last time we recorded this podcast yes. for those of you that don't know we recorded it once before <laughs> you asked me to tell them about uh i don't know the moment from your journey that i remember the most or something and it was a funny oh story. yes <laughs> can yes. i tell this one yes tell my tell the story okay Perfect. She was really embarrassed last time. So welcome. Buckle up. Uh, <laughs> no, the, I think the question was something about the moment that I remember most from your journey. And it's one that always makes me laugh because one day I was at, when I used to live with her, I had gone into the bathroom and my mom had been going on that whole morning about how excited she was with all these different visions that she had when she was first conceptualizing old chicks know shit. But she was so excited. And so suddenly, and there's doing my business and she bursts into the bathroom going, T-shirts, I'm going to have T-shirts. And there were like 12 other outbursts throughout that day of things that suddenly came to her mind. And she was just over the moon and had to share with me. But that one moment is just, just her excitement of needing to tell me at that exact moment about the T-shirts, the old chick's T-shirts. Yeah. And you know what I love? Like, thank you for bringing up that story again, because I had forgotten that we had talked about that. But here's what I want to say about that. For me, finding that thing that like literally lit me up from the inside out, that like set my soul on fire was a feeling I had never 
felt before. And it was so big, like emotionally, it was like a bit overwhelming, right? So hence my outbursts about things. And like, I know there was many other outbursts about other things too, right? But I didn't know it was possible to feel that level of passion and excitement for what I did. Like, you know, like I didn't hate my corporate life. In fact, I kind of liked my corporate job. I got a lot of amazing perks and everything else, but I never felt that overwhelming sense of passion, like pulling me forward. And so being able to like connect back into myself to understand what it was that I wanted, and then to be able to shape a vision for my life from that place of like passion and excitement was overwhelming. And it was like, I, I, like, I couldn't contain it. And there are still days today, like to this moment where, you know, something will come up or I'll start doing something or an idea or a new vision will come. And I still get like so overwhelmed with excitement. Right. And that's how I know I'm on the right path. Yeah. And I think, you know, so much of our lives are, we are told that it's like, you know, you got to put in the time, you got to do the hard work, you got to slog it out, you got to do, you got to write, but we've never been taught to tap into that thing that is literally coming from our soul. That's lighting up our soul. Yeah. I hope in you seeing my journey that like, that's something that you also took away, that it is possible to be that passionate and excited about your life. Totally. And I, yeah, I mean, you having gone through this journey and being the woman that you are now and and living your life the way that you do, like, I just feel so grateful all the time, every time I talk to you to just be able to watch you live your life, because it reminds me of so many things like that it is possible, not only impossible, but I should kind of hold out for the things that make me that excited. You know what I mean? That there's no use in settling for anything less than things that light me up in that way. Like, and this is what I mean too about you leaning into and really embracing like joy and pleasure and excitement and all of the like this was a part of your softening was letting the joy back in. You know, the the wild dreaming, those moments where you're so freaking excited you can't stand it. Like I look for those everywhere in my life too. I'm I'm constantly wanting to follow the excitement, the things that come into my mind. And I'm like, oh man, I have, to, I have to do that. And yeah. I, I mean, I learned that continually from you. And when I start to feel like, oh, that's actually big and scary. And I want to contract and go back into my little bubble. It's like, I, I just watch you living your dream every day. And like, it inspires me. It reminds me what I'm doing and, and why I can't let the fear hold me back. Yeah. And that's a really important point because Living a life that you're passionate and excited about does not mean that you are not going to be scared and you're not going to doubt yourself and you're not going to trust yourself, right? Because I think there's a bit of a misnomer that says, oh, if I'm passionate and excited about something, then it's just going to be easy and it's going to flow. Yeah, no, that's not the way that it works. I think it's like, and this, like so many of the women that I talk to, it's like, you know, when I say to them, like, what is that thing that lights you up, right? They'll tell me what it is. And then they'll tell me the 15 reasons why that's not possible. And that's why they're not doing it. Right. In the same breath. Right. And I'm like, okay, there's that spark. There's that thing that you've been looking for. There's that thing that you say you're missing in your life. You have it. It's just that you won't give yourself permission to step into it because there's all of these reasons and there can still be all those reasons, but you can still step forward. And that's where you're supposed to be going. And that's where the growth lies. Like that's your soul is calling you into the highest and best version of yourself and getting to the highest and best version of yourself usually means that you have to step forward into discomfort, into doubt and into fear because that's how you grow. Yeah. I think that 
it's just somewhat natural, you know, you get into the excitement and you feel yourself expand and you feel yourself expand way too much. And you're like, oh, this is unfamiliar. Ooh, you want to pull it back and yeah. like totally natural to let yourself feel that way for a second. But also, yeah. 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 And that's a good point, too. It's about it's natural to expand and then contract. Yeah. But where we make the mistake is we stay contracted as opposed to stepping back into expansion. In fact, I wrote that in my newsletter last week. It's like you got to step up to the ledge and then you got to step back. And when you step back, it's because you're becoming more resilient. You're reminding yourself about what it is that you want. And then the next time you step up to the ledge, you have a different set of tools and you're going to step back again. And that's okay. You keep stepping backwards and forwards, but just don't let it stop you. Yeah. 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 It's like you always say to me, stop worrying about the how. Just keep the vision in mind and you'll end up getting there. I know. The how will unfold in front of you if you keep the vision and trust. Mm. Ooh, even, but you have to trust. <laughs> but you have to trust. And that's where you keep the vision, which is this was my experience of anxiety and depression. My vision was wanting to be a doctor, but I had zero trust in that happening. And there was this massive gap thinking I'm never going to be good enough to do this thing that I need to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, the human brain is endlessly fascinating to me. <laughs> the human experience is endlessly fascinating to me. Isn't it? That we have the ability. And I think that's my message. It's definitely the message that I have for you. It's definitely the message that I have for my community. And I think it's for all women, right? That there is so much possibility available to us, that we have so much more power than we think we have to create whatever it is that we want in our lives. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, like when so many of the women in my generation are, you know, getting the two by four to the face, they're like, I'm not living aligned with my truth. Right. And that they're feeling stuck and that they're feeling like this is the end of their life, like I did at age 50, is to know that there is a lot on the other side. And whether that maybe that's happening to women in their 30s or even their 40s or like whenever it's happening to them. Yeah. Right. Like we have the power to create. Mm to create whatever it is that we want in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. This has been an awesome conversation. As usual, our conversations are always so good. They're good. Also, you're an excellent interviewer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I love what I do. It shows. I truly love what I do. This is like the best job ever to be able to have like amazing <gasps> conversations. Do you remember when they started the podcast? I'm starting a podcast. <laughs> I do. I do remember. And then I remember you panicking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, you had the front row seat to the big ideas, like the expansion, the contraction, the expansion, the contraction. And this is what I mean. I'm so grateful that I get to do life with you and watch you expand and contract and recommit to it all over again. Yeah, there's been so many times along the way in like various different things that I've been like, okay, that's it. I quit. I can't do this. And then I go back and then I go, yeah, no. Okay, you can't quit. Figure it out. <laughs> Step forward again. <laughs> Sometimes I quit like three or four times in a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. And then I remember there's kids staring at me and I can't quit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> true. 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 Yeah. No, uh, in the whole class, I'm like, I'm over it. Oh, I can't be over it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing this journey with me. Thank, Thank you for you. coming on the podcast today to share your experience of this journey with the listeners. Thank you for being my mom, for letting me share your journey for having me on the podcast, for being all around awesome. You're welcome. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> I know. I miss I you, love. I was home with you. I know. I miss you too. Soon. Soon, my love. Soon. Mm, soon, soon.
Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening. I hope you saw beyond your own journey, the impact that you can have on your own daughters or your own sons or your nieces or your nephews or anybody watching you know that whatever struggle that you're facing now, you have the ability to get past it. And when you get past it, the ripple effect is not just for you. It's for everybody in your life who's watching you in that because you are changing the world when you step into your power, when you honor your dreams, when you prioritize what's important to you, it's not for nothing. People are watching and it's changing the world. So until next time, if you love what you heard, uh, the biggest honor you can give is to share this episode with your friend or maybe share this episode with your daughter and initiate a conversation with her or your son or your niece or your nephew and to leave a rating or review. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.